Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bam, bam, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to Sports Fans, it is the MKT Show. Show, show, show. What a weekend. Um, so I'm recording this and I don't know what's happening in the cricket. It was raining all day. Um, and then I don't know what's happening in the Open. Um, but I think there's a clear leader there. We'll see what happens. Probably finish in the next hour. Recording this on Sunday night. It, it looks like it's all over in the golf. And... Rory's out of it again. Was Rory just overhyped? I, I never know with Rory because the PR machine is just incredible, you know? So, um, but maybe the rule should be don't ever compare anyone to Tiger Woods. Like, Tiger was a phenomenon and I think everybody so hoped that Rory was that. And then it all started around Caroline Wozniacki. I'm not blaming her, but in and around that time, it just feels like Rory... It's always something else besides golf with Rory, you know? Like, unless you are a freakish talent like LeBron James or Tiger Woods, once you're those guys, you can have other stuff. But if you're not that level of talent, it needs to be, like, maniacal, that sport. So, I think it's over with the Rory thing. I think, I think we can all say that. Um, I mean, all sorts of people in bed with him for so, so much money uh, probably regret that. Probably regret that. It, it's it's weird with Rory for me. I've, I've never been able to buy into him. And it feels to me like those guys where, and I can't speak for women, but for guys, if it doesn't work out early in life and then you become successful later in life, it looks weird when people have like money confidence, but they don't have that internal confidence. There's just some guys now, even if they're not as successful as somebody who becomes successful at 35, they just have that internal sort of thing. They're that guy. And Rory doesn't feel like he's always been that guy, but now he's a great golfer. And he portrays a lot of insecurity to me. It's just, I know a lot of these guys who've become successful later in life, but weren't successful in school. And they're almost making up for it now. And it doesn't look natural. It doesn't feel natural. Whereas Tiger Woods, you're always like, oh my God, that guy's the guy. Anywho, whatever happens in the, in the open, uh, it's the last major of the uh, incredible scenes in Liverpool. Um, and then in the cricket, we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Maguire and United's captaincy. Um, obviously, Bruno Fernandes, um, as the anglicized version says. Uh, Leo Messi is in the MLS. Scored a last-minute free kick. He's not bad at football. Um, so there's a messy topic that was a slide in the DMs. Slide in the DMs. MKT inspires on the gram. Otherwise, MKT at the mktshow.com is the electronic mail slash email. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I want to start with this one. Um, you know, with the ashes, hey? Again, if you don't watch cricket, I'll keep saying it. It's not my problem that you've got no culture and you're raised by wolves, quite frankly. I don't know how people can't watch cricket. Like, listen, we, we live in a patriarchal world, and maybe I'm wrong. You, you know, young girls now are getting into it. You know, it's... Um, but if you're a guy and don't watch cricket, what are you doing? And I'm not talking if you're, like, raised in America, right? Because if you're not raised in America, you're probably not listening to this. If you don't speak English, it's very silly for you to be listening to this podcast. This makes no sense to you. So if you were raised in the English Anglo world outside of America, how do you not watch cricket? I just don't get it. You know? And again, I'm also aware I was raised middle class. Cricket's very much a hoity-toity thing. But if you're middle class and above, how do you not watch cricket? And Anglo, I don't get it. 
I don't like. I just don't get it. Anywho, I think Pat Cummins should resign. You know, England came into the series first of all disrespectful, uh, playing Ireland as a warm-up game. I, I don't know what we're doing there. Off like T Twenty around the world nonsense. And remember, Australia uh, did what they were doing at home, and then they came straight into the World Test Championship. So Australia was sharp in those first two games, and ultimately. Pat Cummins has been horrendous all season tactically. I mean, um, all series tactically. Like, horrendous. I'm not going to count the World Test Championship because India, outside of India, are completely and utterly useless to me. You know, they are just useless. Like, And I know people love Virat Kohli. Like, I'm not going to get into the whole thing. A very good player. Not Dravid or um, Sachin Tendulkar for me. But a good player. You know, the numbers are there. Probably a better one-day player than he is a, a test great. Um, he's made lots of his runs at home. But, but whatever. The, 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 you know, people get caught up in the numbers instead of performance. So there's people who will tell you James Anderson's better than Dale Stain because he has more wickets. It's like, it's not how it works. But anyway, whatever. India are a waste of time generally outside of India. Um, and... They lost to Australia, but, but it was still like a sharp test team, you know? So Australia came in humming in those first two games, 2-0. And then eventually England started warming up. And what got exposed was not the talent thing. Because I think if you go 1-11, to the only guy I would take for Australia is I'd take Travis Head the hell out of there. Because I don't think he should be batting four. And I'd put Joe Root in. Even Ben Stokes for me. Like, I wouldn't put him in the Australia team. I'd be happy with what I got going there. Um, he, he is he better than Cam Green? Yes, slightly, because it's still only a thirty-five batting average. And I know people who are caught up in the YouTube mindset go, "Oh, but Ben Stokes makes these massive runs all the time." He doesn't. He he does it once every like four years, so he doesn't do that. People must stop saying Ben Stokes is like Jacques Cullis or Raul Dravid or Brian Lara. He doesn't have a fifty average. He doesn't even have a forty average. So he really, in, in any half-decent cricket team, he's batting seven. And now Ben Stokes doesn't bowl, by the way. He's got the chronic knee. So I get a 35 bowling, uh, batting average. Mm, between you, Cam Green, and Marsh, I, I could take either, you know? Like, everybody's got this thing about Ben Stokes being a big game player. Do me a favor. It's just because YouTube's that. Like, if YouTube was this big for Ricky Ponting... It would be embarrassing how he would dwarf, you know, like Jacques Callas, you know, Raul Dravid. Like they just did this for 15 years. What, what Stokes has done for five years, Jacques Callas did for 15 years, you know, uh, Raul Dravid, 15 years, Sachin Tenduka, 15 years. Uh, when we start, uh, Brian Lara, 15 years, uh, Damien Martin, 10 years. Mark Waugh, 10 years. Steve Waugh, 10 years. Like, those are big game players. Adam Gilchrist, 10 years. Like, we, we're talking about guys who just did it over and over and over and over again. Not five years and all of a sudden because England are mediocre, Ben Stokes is now being what the, one of the greatest players of all time. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. He's a nice player, but I don't put him in the Australia team. Like, I could take him or Marsh, honestly, and Marsh Bowles. You know, because what Marsh did in the last when he scored his hundred, um, I think at Headingley, it's really what Ben Stokes does. And Marsh is very similar, which is why he hasn't been consistent in the team. But every four or five years, Marsh will give you that big hundred. I think Ben Stokes has like 10 test entries, by the way. It's like a little more, maybe 12 um, test entries. Anywho, I think Cummins has been exposed and he should resign. It's over now. They return, uh, retain the ashes. Um, I might be wrong, uh, play might go on, but it looked like it was raining and it'll be over. But Cummins should go. He's, he's a horrendous captain. He cost them the Headingley game because here's this thing. is His plan B is bowl short and hope they don't hit it for six. There's nothing else. So just resign, give it to Steve Smith, who's probably the captain anyway. And like, let's just get over the sandpaper stuff. Like, what if? Get over it. Okay. He had a failure of character. Great. One of Australia's unique selling points is everybody hated you anyway. Don't worry about the PR thing. If anything, 
when we hate you, you're at your best, it's a big part of your PR. We want to watch that. We, we like the antagonist nature of Australians. Give it back to Steve Smith and let's get this thing rolling again because Cummins just isn't it. And the problem with bowling captains in a thing like this, you actually need to rest Cummins. You do need to rest him, right? And so people start to bring the other stuff in. It's like, tragically, his mom died this year and he's been going through a lot of trauma. And it's like, okay, that's awful. That, that's horrendous. Take him off the team. You know, don't be a hero, mate. Like, if you're going through something, I mean, I, the, the, the pain of losing a parent must just be like nothing else. And that's horrendous. But don't conflate that with what we're talking about on the pitch. If the man is going through that, and some sportsmen will tell you the only place where they feel like they have any joy in these difficult moments is the pitch. But unfortunately, it's a results business, hey? It, it just is. It, it's terrible that he lost his mom. But that shouldn't affect your decision of going, this guy's a terrible captain. He's a terrible, terrible captain. All he thinks about is short bowling or is the ball swinging. That, that's his only plan. It, it was embarrassing. And if the rain hadn't come, they were going to get absolutely humiliated in a test match where they made 300. Because the bowling was so bad. I like the fact they didn't play a spinner. Um, Todd Murphy, again... You saw in the previous test match at Headingley, you know, young test captains, it often happens. And, and as a South African, I can tell you for, for a long time, they don't know how to attack with a spinner. The great captains know how to use a spinner as an attacking weapon. Uh, as you can see with Ben Stokes, like he's off the leash, even putting on old Moen there. Moen's a terrible spinner, but he, he backed Moen early, right, to take wickets with aggressive field, a slip. You know, it's not just to hold up an end, uh, which is where Nathan Lyon's been unbelievable for them. In the first innings, you hold up an end. Second innings, you're an attacking option. Um, so yeah, C Cummins has to go. It's, it's embarrassing. Because what Cummins is, 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 I think he's the best bowler in the world. But being a test captain, you know, I just, I think it's it's the hardest job in cricket. A test captain in particular. I don't, I don't watch any other versions of the game. I stopped about five, six years ago. Um, so I don't really know the facets of the other parts of the, you know, but it's it's pretty stock standard. The game hasn't changed that much. Being a test captain is, you, you know, test cricket is really a war of attrition. And they've worn him down. And he really should have been rested the last test match. He's exhausted physically. Um, I don't know how much of the trauma of losing his mother has come into it, but, but he has been awful. And he should go. Like, he's clearly not good enough as a captain. Best bowler in the world, let him off a leash, and he must just go and bowl. And then you let Sandpaper do, do his thing. You know, arguably Australia's greatest batsman since Ricky Ponting. Let him do his thing and then we keep it rolling. So that's what I do there. And also the the English just, just I, I, I want to go to this one. They were having a fat old whinge about changing the rules. You know, this is why I always say to people, and I've, if you listen to me on other podcasts and other platforms, is nobody cares how you feel right like that's not interesting what are the like what are your what are your ethos and philosophies because we, we can get away from the feeling thing like telling me how you feel is not that interesting it doesn't really fix problems and now the english because it's unfortunate now for them want to get into start changing the rules and let's play later in england because there's light you know i, I don't like that so I'm biased to rules and I like the rules of test cricket because it, it it creates beautiful narratives, you know, like now it's created a winner loser and it was out of their hands and it was the weather and the story of it all. Um, now we discuss it and it's like, oh, my goodness, should England have declared the rules are the rules and just changing it because of our emotions is not the way to do it. It's not a healthy way to live. And I don't think test cricket should change. It should, quote unquote, move forward. You've got, I mean, you've got T20 cricket, you've got 50 over cricket. Change that stuff. No one cares there. Change it all the time if you want. But it's quite cool to have something steeped in five days. These are the rules. This is when we play. And that doesn't shift. And it's quite nice to have that rigidity, you know. I really, really believe um, there is freedom 
in structure, and I love the structure of test cricket, don't change it because people are getting emotional. The solution isn't to change the times. Get roofs on cricket grounds. That's actually the solution, especially in England. I don't understand how this many years later they don't have domes in England. Like, put a dome on Lords. You you know the grounds you're going to play at. There's like four or five grounds. Just just put domes on them. There we go. They already know the 2031 schedule, right? There's been a big kerfuffle about, uh, I think, the the game that's most north is Nottinghamshire. There we go. Put roofs on there. Boom. Problem solved. Then Joe Root's not whinging like a child, although he looks like he's 15. Great cricketer, though. Great cricketer. So don't change the rules. Put a roof on there. Australia has roofs. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. All right, just a quick one. There was um, something in the DMs. If you're not into the NFL, Saquon Barkley uh, is a running back. So it's very Mbappe-like. Uh, there was a Zoom call with the running backs. It's a position that's been devalued in the NFL. Um, and there is currently... So essentially, they have this thing called the franchise tag. right? So when you are drafted in the NFL, your contract you sign is generally five years. And then in the fifth year, they call it literally a fifth year option where it's it's market related how much you get paid, right? So for instance, for running backs, it'll be the size of the, the franchise tag essentially will be the, the sort of collective um, and the median of running back income divided by the league and we'll take that average, right? And then that'll be... Um, and, and I think it's... I forget whether it's the top 20 or top 10 paid in that position and then they divide that by however many it is in that mix and for running backs, it's $10 million this year. So he's going to play on the franchise tag in his fifth year because they didn't take up his fifth year option. They just franchise tagged him. Um, and he's going to play on the franchise tag, $10 million. But Saquon Barkley is saying, I'm more valuable to the franchise than that. And I want to get paid more and blah, blah, blah. They, they underpay. Look, here's the thing. I mean, people who listen to this, you probably don't watch the NFL my biggest problem with this is, and, and they've had a Zoom call with all the running backs, whatever. That, that's not that interesting to most people. What I what I resent, and it's very similar to Kylian Mbappe, who's come out recently, and I'll discuss Mbappe in the next podcast. I hate this thing where, because these are young people, right? So I'm 37. These are young people. And what I what I will not tolerate more and more, it's why I hate it when people say, oh, he's not my mom, he's not my dad. He's my best friend. I, I hate that outlook, but I come from an old school family. I just believe parents must be parents and children must be children. And don't negotiate with kids. This idea that kids know better than adults is mental. I hate where he- we're headed in that sense, maybe for a different podcast. But what I resent about Saquon Barkley was he even suggested that he might not pitch up for work. I mean, in the podcast, he said it's not what he'd do, but just putting it out there. And it's a bit of a thing now. And again, I never know whether we're living in a time where young people have always been like this. And trust me, I've been rebellious. So I'm not better than Saquon Barkley. But in hindsight, it eats away at me every single day of my life, uh, having been this person. Go to work. I, I hate that he's saying he might hold out. And he, like ultimately, he said he won't. But kind of hinted he might have to do that to get the leverage to get the new deal. Right. So problem is for running backs is they're not getting a second contract in the league. Uh, but Saquon Barkley has been paid $48 million as soon as they give him this tag. He's been overpaid. He's been he's been hurt of the five seasons he's been in the league, or it'll be his fifth season now. He's been, he's been injured for like two and a half of them. So they've already paid him $48 million. But what I hate, right, forget all of this. Like, whatever, American sports is complicated. Most people who listen to this don't, don't listen for for that. I resent young people seeing somebody like Saquon Barkley and now Kylian Mbappe and thinking it's okay not to go to work. I hate that. I hate that these years. Because let's face it, right? 
in the ideal world, nurses and doctors and I don't know, whoever else, in the ideal modern world, we'd like those people to be our role models, right? The great thinkers and the the musicians and the cultural icons and ideally politicians, which has always been sketchy anyway. But but you'd like your cultural leaders to be your icons, but they're not. They're boring. They're usually geeks. Um, they usually have no personality and they usually hide in, you know, violinists usually hide away and are practicing 10 hours a day and have the, although they are brilliant and I admire them, but they usually have the rhetorical skills of a marshmallow, you know, they usually have no personality, these people, they devote themselves to, to what they do. And it's, it's not really a performative, engaging thing. Like, like getting brilliant at physics is really boring. Nobody cares about some nerd you know, doing science somewhere. As a, like, I think it's cool, but I, you know, in varsity, I'm like, would I rather be Keith Richards or Drake or Novak Djokovic or be Lawrence Krauss? I think it's very clear, Albert Einstein, you're very cool, but who the hell wants to be Albert Einstein? They're so boring. Who wants to be those geeky, nerdy people without a personality? Sorry. And And by the way, I'm biased to scientists and, and academics. I have them, like, the, the other three people in my nucleus family are all high-level academics. I mean, my sister's got a personality, but she's not a scientist. But, but you get my point, right? I hate that these young men are threatening not to go to work. Young people, go to work. The world doesn't owe you anything. I, I resent Kylian Mbappe and Saquon Barkley if they hold out and don't go to work. I'm not having it. I hate this thing that we pander to young people. They don't know anything. You don't know anything at 25, right? I'm not negotiating with children. They don't know anything. Stop this nonsense. Like, youth have energy and vibrancy, and we should hear from them to, to move our society forward, right? Because they have an unsort of filtered way of thinking, and, and within the right structures... They have that they are incredible for systems, right? But ultimately, they have you have to earn your keep to to be able to have influence. What I'm not having is a 25 year old, in Mbappe's case or Saquon Barkley, who's made 48 million dollars, not going to work. And if you're young, it doesn't actually matter whether you're killing Mbappe or you're starting out at a marketing company. I don't care how happy you are or unhappy you are with your boss. Right? I'm proud to say this, as much of a horrendous human as I view myself to have been from 18 to 28. I never, ever skipped a day of work. I never pouted. I never, ever pouted. And that's thank you to my father. Because it's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to be unhappy. And I'm not talking like, and please don't make life about you. Like, oh, what if my boss is a pervert or sexually abusive. Firstly, those are quite rare and that's a separate issue which you should raise in a separate thing. I'm just talking about a, I don't like my boss, so I'm not going to work. Stop it. And Kylian Mbappe and Saquon Barkley are heroes to young men and women around the world. I hate this idea of I didn't get my way, so I'm pouting and sulking. I hate that. I hate, hate, hate sulk. I, I can live with anything, not sulk, not pout. Just because you don't get your way, it doesn't mean you mustn't go to work. I'm sorry. Unless you're some trust fund kid, even then, like most trust fund kids don't get a break. Like the ones we see represent a tiny major, uh, minority of why rich people stay rich. Rich kids don't get a break, often from their mothers or fathers who've made the money. They're like, <laughs> you know... Or, or let me say, largely the ones I know. I haven't done the research. But young people, go to work. Because you know what happens when you sulk? It becomes a part of your character. And now you're 30, and you're supposed to be in middle management, and it's brutal, and it's hard, and you have no character. You quit every time something go, gets hard or doesn't go your way. Life's not fair. Get over yourself. Kylian Mbappe and Saquon Barkley need to get over themselves. 
go to work. That, like, that's the only thing I want to say on Saquon Barkley. Go to work. Where, wherever you are in the world right now, not everybody loves their job or their boss. Sorry. Go to work. Because I tell you what you don't want to develop a reputation as, as well. The person who didn't come to work because they were unhappy. Sorry. Don't pout. Don't sulk. It becomes a part of your character. Sulking is for losers. I'm sorry. Sulking is a loser trait. Once it becomes a part of your personality, boo-hoo, I didn't get my way, so I'm throwing a hissy fit, that becomes a part of your character. And people don't like that. High-level people don't like that. You can be unhappy, look for a different job, leave. Leave, that's a different thing. But if you're under contract, go to work. I can't stress that enough. Stress that enough. I'm like... You know, I'm really, really lucky that I had such a strict father. The, the more I'm looking at how people deal with the world. And there's a new age. And again, I don't know if it's because we're more exposed to things. Have young people always been like this and we couldn't see it? Or is it because now with the internet, we, we can actually see what's happening all over the world? I don't know if young people have always been like this. Um, but I do feel like the righteous indignation of the damned is rising above like just getting on with it like what's happened to just get on with it nobody's life i promise you unless you live in the sudan right nobody's life is that hard you'll like, trust me if you've got an iphone and you're living at your parents house and they are paying for your university education your life is not that hard and if you're making 48 million dollars in a <laughs> in an incredible working environment in the greatest country in the world, which is America, you would Saquon Barkley's life's not that hard. Now, there's other running backs who might have a case, but then I say, listen, you can't have it both ways. Do you want to live in a free market or not? Josh Jacobs, he hasn't been paid. He's going to get his $10 million um, franchise tag this year at Las Vegas Raiders. But listen, live within your means. Because some running backs, right, um, what happens is they're going to get used up in four years and they will have earned, let's say, three, four million dollars, which isn't life changing money. But sorry, live within your means. That's what people have to do. Or be a higher draft, higher um, or better talented draft pick. Production tolerance. Sorry. If you want to be if you want to earn more money, earn more money. And what I would say to running backs is get a better, better education. Stop leaving with a phys ed education and just focusing on football. I'm sorry, I have no... I, <laughs> you might not be able to tell. I have no time for whinging. I have no time. I spent 10 years whinging. I have no time for it now. I was not raised in that home and when I did it for 10 years, it made me miserable. And then at 28, I stopped whinging, got my life together and I'm trying to be a better person still. You know, you don't just, again, it's going to be for the rest of my life where I've got to keep this up. But I come from a home where I just wasn't allowed to complain. Get on with it. Killian Mbappe makes me sick. If he doesn't come to work, by the way, and with the union and all the nonsense that's happening with PSG, he's been paid 200 million euros. He has 100 million euros left on his contract for just coming to work disgusting if he doesn't come to work i'm going to say it one more time if you are young and you're listening to this young is anything below 30 if you're unhappy in an environment leave do not sulk sulking is for losers only losers sulk only losers sulk if you want to be a great and it's the same in everything by the way like if you're not happy with your boyfriend, you're not happy with your girlfriend, you're not happy with your husband, you're not happy with your wife, don't sulk, leave. Sulking's for clowns. It's for children. You like five-year-old sulk. Twenty-five-year-old, do not sulk. Do not make that a part of your oh, that's the sulky person. It's always because you know what it is with sulky people? And you're seeing all of them Mbappe, I've been saying it for a long time. It's always someone else's fault. I'm sorry, if you live your life that way. It seeps into your character and you're going to be that wife husband. You're going to be the person where your marriage falls apart and it's their fault and it's her family's fault and your parents were this and your brother was this and your parents loved your brother more, loved my... Like, 
take some responsibility if you are outside of the tiny, tiny minority in life that are don't have, and I'm talking middle class and upwards here again, very, very few people in the middle class society come from abusive homes. And having a strict parent isn't abusive. Learn to get on with it, please. It's nobody's fault but yours. So my father used to say this to me all the time. And I've I've really applied this to my life and it made me it's made me eternally happy intrinsically. There's nothing anybody can do to take this happiness away from me. And I don't believe in happiness, by the way, not a philosophy podcast, but everything's your fault. If you just take that attitude moving forward in your life, everything is your fault. So you get all the glory, but if you want all the glory, you must take all the blame. So when you do incredibly, that's all on you. You've picked the leadership. You've picked your job. You've picked your wife. You've picked your girlfriend. You decided to be strict or not strict on your kids. Whatever it is, anything in your ecosystem, if you exercise a locus of control to its umpteenth, and you know it's an incredible thing if you'd like to maybe get into it, you're going through some stuff, life's not perfect. I'm not asking people to be perfect, be human. What I'm, what I'm saying is learn to be consistent. But there's something that a guy called Jocko Willink, who's a former um, Navy SEAL, calls extreme accountability. Extreme accountability. Take accountability for everything, the good and the bad. Because what I see now in this day and age, and you know what is really comfortable to be alive right now, is people love taking the, oh, it's going well, I want, the, I want that adulation. And then when it goes terribly, it's everyone else's fault. And take it from somebody who did it. I did this to my family and parents. I'm not better than you. I'm saying I remember at 28, when I remembered my father's words, everything is your fault. I have been eternally blissful since that day, 2013 in September. I will never forget it when I said it internally to myself. Everything's your fault. And it's like it just simplifies everything from there. Saquon Barkley, Kylian Mbappe, and you at home who's sulking right now, whatever it's about, you're allowed to go through. You're allowed to go through trauma, right? Divorce, blah blah blah. Big girl panties, big boy pants. Put them on and stop sulking. It's nobody else's fault. No one's coming to save you. Don't be Kylian Mbappe. Don't be Saquon Barkley. Don't do it. You're allowed to be unhappy. What you're not allowed to do is stay and sulk. You're unhappy, leave. You can leave. Leaving is cool. I'm cool with that. So my mom, um, again, that's not me saying it. It's the wisdom of having been brought up in home. My mother said always, right? She always used to say to us, you're allowed to, right? Be unhappy in an environment in this. But what you do is you communicate your way out and leave. My mom now, even today, she like I just left a place where I wasn't happy. And we we talked through it. You, you know, although I, I just told her I was leaving because she's raised me to leave. Like, if I'm not happy, I leave. I'm not the kind of person who hangs around and stays around after communicating through possible solutions. If I'm not happy and we're not going to resolve this thing, I'm out. I'm out. I, I do, and I don't sulk. One thing I do not do is sulk. I, I have not sulked in 10 years. I, have, I promise you... In that facet, in not having a baby, <laughs> right? Somebody sent me a message about um, the, the baby thing the other day, but I'm perfect in that sense. Don't have a baby. I do not have a baby, so you can never, don't have a baby, don't talk. I, I'm, I'm not the best company either, you might say that, but don't talk. There we go. So my thoughts on Saquon Barkley and running backs in the league. Those who make no money, live within your means. Don't be a baller. And, by the way, again, I come from a poor family. So if they're going to try and spin the, yes, but I I have to look after 30 people, tell the 30 people, sorry. Like, you're not the only poor people in the world. Like, this idea that these running backs and people that are poor in sport are the only poor people in the world. Poor people figure it out all the time. Sorry. I come from a poor family. That one's not going to work on me. Lots of poor people getting on with it, getting it together and building their lives. 
Sorry, not an excuse. Stop living like a baller then. If you're running back and you're only getting $300,000 a year, stop living like a baller. And get a proper education so that when it ends after five, six years, you're still 26, 27. You can make some income. There it is. Everything's your fault. Okay, let's move on. Enough of that lecture. That, that It's just been on my mind. Like, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you how much I despise sulking. Oh my goodness. I mean, I've just spent 20 minutes telling you. It, it's, it's a revolting trait in adults who have been given things. Like, imagine me being middle class sulking. Like, between 18 and 28, I was that person, right? Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. If you're listening to this and you're middle class and you've you've been given a decent education, you've been given a first car, you've been given university education, you've got parents who aren't perfect and human and, and tried their best with you, and you're still you're like 30 and sulking. Go and look in the mirror. Don't be killing and bumping, don't be Saquon Barkley. Get over yourself. Life's not about you. Get on with it. Don't be a valuable member of society. You know what I mean? Come on. And if you think I'm crazy, at MKT inspires. You know, maybe I just look at the world in a narrow way and I was raised a certain way. So maybe I'm just out of touch. But first and foremost, this thing of 23, 24 year olds needing validation. You're 24. You don't know anything. Shut up and go to work. Especially sportsmen. Killian Bobby has made 200 million euros in the last two years of the Qataris. 200 and he's having a winch. I mean, listen, I protect sportsmen all the time. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. He's unique. He's one of one. He's generational. He's a marketer's dream. But, but to whom much is given, much is expected. And for him to whinge like this and renege on a contract, I mean, come on, man. Come on, come on, Black. All right, let's get into um, Man United and then I'll get out of here. Been a, been a bit preachy here, but hey, it's what's in my heart. And I've been thinking it for a couple of days. Harry Maguire is no longer captain of Man United. Before I get into that, though, love to know what you think on that. At MKT Inspired, slide in the DMs. Is Saquon Barkley right? Is Kylian Mbappe right to be outraged? You know, uh, you must understand that uh, France, of course, fraternity, egality, uh, liberty, they'll tell you, is a socialist state of the highest order, the most socialist of the socialist states. And my, my sister lived there for years. We've discussed this, uh, the idiosyncrasies of, uh, yeah, you know, socialism. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting lens that the French have on everything. And now Kylian Mbappe. The indignation of the man who's earned 100 million euros. At MKT Spice, your thoughts. MKT at the MKT Show. Uh, give the show a rating if you've got two minutes. Head over to uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's finish off on Ari, Ari Maguire. So Maguire's no longer captain at Man United. And, you know, it got me thinking and worried as a Chelsea fan. Or, or, or as a non-Man United fan. Because one thing I believe in is models, right? Um, both both the good-looking models uh, that wear lingerie, but in this case, I mean financial or business models or um, sort of statistical modeling in general. I believe in models uh, in life. You know, I think the system is always better than the individual. But one thing I've been really reading a lot about over the last two years, because I just, I love discipline. I'm so fascinated by that topic. I want to become the most disciplined person I can be across the board, you know. It's just, it's been so fruitful for me as a person. And emotional discipline in particular, something I've been working really, really hard on in the last five or six years. But something that's really interesting about what's happening at Man United um, is Eric Ten Hag, right? And one thing, as I've been reading books over the last couple of years, I realize there's this golden thread of greatness. All greatness looks the same, you know? And I've been talking to some wise people, 
uh, from rabbis. And I'm again, I'm not religious, but rabbis, priests, just elder people who I admire, family people. As as I discuss business and life, you know, I'm, I'm looking for. Um, my father you always used to say to us, only idiots learn from their own mistakes. And I, I'm looking to learn about life from people who've lived it, right? Whether it's family, I, I ask people that have been married for um, two decades, like, what's the source? Especially men, you know, I like to know, like, well, how do you do that? All greatness looks the same, whether it's business, it's teachers, it's the army, it's relationships, uh, romantic and f familial. Uh, it's it's not about the, the ceiling of that, the potential of that relationship, right? In all these great organizations, the Navy is the best example, is how high is the floor? It applies to countries, it applies. So don't think about how high is the ceiling because people always do that. But greatness is determined by how high is the floor and if you don't get that analogy, let me explain to you what I mean by that. What is the least that we'll tolerate? So Oxford might tell you, you've got to be a certain, you've got to have a certain IQ or a, a memory of a certain level. Otherwise, sorry, it's not the place for you. Where I'm going to cry and whinge, hey, go to UNISA. <laughs> sorry, Oxford don't want to hear it. You can cry and whinge all you like. We're going to be number one. Cambridge, they'll tell you, listen, my father went to Cambridge. If I took my school marks there, they'd laugh me out the building. Say, sorry, you've come to the wrong place, mummy. We don't do C students here. This is, this is the real McCoy. Cambridge, and uh, I understand, the number one university in the world. But it's because how high is the floor? So what's the entry level just to be in and amongst us? I mean, if you listen to the Navy and hell week, and those six months. Like, hey, we don't care how rich you are, my man. Are you going to be able to do these calisthenics and train and be in, uh, you know, San Clemente and all of these places in freezing cold conditions? Have you got the will to succeed? That's all, that's all that's going to get you into the Navy. Not your money, not your skin color, not your size. No one's interested. All right. But all greatness looks the same. What is the flaw for your organization? You know, it's, it's, it's better to live in Switzerland than South Africa, right? Not because you can become richer in Switzerland, but because the lowest level of income still has, by sort of all metrics, an incredibly high standard of living. So it's just much better to live in Zurich and be poor, quote unquote, than live in South Africa and be poor. It just is. And it's not about the high end, it's about the bottom end. How high is the floor? What's the lowest we can fall? What is the lowest we will accept in our organization, in my relationship? If you're married, you've got a girl, you know there's certain things, especially the higher quality woman you want in your life. And I, I don't mean by looks, by the way. I'm like Once you get past the looks thing, everyone likes a good looking girlfriend. But once you get past that, you're looking for a high quality educated person i'm guessing most people are looking for somebody with a strong family background somebody consistent reliable low maintenance these are these people are impossible to find but she's going to have some demands she's going to tell you uh see this thing of you going out three times a week mm, yeah it's fine for the first year but once we have a baby and we start to get into it for real she's going to have some demands because she's not going to tolerate something. She's looking for greatness. Eric Ten Hag, by removing my man, is saying the cost of entry now at Man United has just gone up. Bruno Fernandes is the least wealthy. Because that's what you do, right, with your captain, is this is the flaw of the ethos of the company now. Like Bruno Fernandes, not a great player, but a very good player. This is the flaw of what we're talking about. Consistent, he's in the team, he's got the right attitude, he's a winner, he's a dry, he's a driven guy, people like him. Harry Maguire always felt like, first of all, he's not good enough. Right? One of the things about Roy Keane is he's one of the greatest players Man United have ever had. On top of that now, he's, the, he's an emperor. With Bruno Fernandes, you don't have that personality. What you've got though is a good player who seems to have the respect, who's consistently on the pitch, is constant, consistently hitting good numbers and seems to be beloved by the Man United fans, whether you like him or not. 
So Eric Ten Hag is making it clear. This is the flaw at the organization now. Bruno Fernandes. January 2020, when Maguire was made captain, it was a horror show for Man United. If he's the leadership, anyone's... you got James Sancho coming in here now. you got Scott McTominay playing. you got Fred coming in. And what's Harry Maguire going to say to Scott McTominay? It's a very different conversation now when Bruno Fernandes goes, pull your socks up, than Harry Maguire. Sorry. It's incredible that Man United, with their competitive advantage over the last 25 years, allowed themselves to get here. Since Fergie left, it's been terrible. You can't end up with Maguire as your captain, guys. You can lie to us. You can't lie to the players. People know. That was a horrendous decision. But what happened was, you remember when, I don't know if you had this when you were young, but essentially whoever had owned the soccer ball was the captain and he got to pick. And when I was even younger, whoever the richest kid was really got to pick because they had the sweetest food at their house and the soccer ball and just all the nice stuff. Like the rich kid was the captain. Like we, we know, even if you're born middle class, there's somebody who's just richer than you. Like we all know. That's what's happened to Man United. Oh no, we've paid 80 million for him. We have to reward him. We're trapped. And now it's an ego thing. You've got to learn to pivot off mistakes. Man United said, no, we've overpaid him. He's the rich kid. He gets to keep the ball and take it home. You remember how rich kids as well is they'll take the ball home if they lose. That's what's happened with Man United is we've basically invested in this asset. We have to make him captain. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What you should have said was, oh my God, after a year, we've made a massive mistake here. Sell him for 10 million. Get him out of here. Not make him your captain. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, what are you doing? Man United couldn't admit it. They made an 80 million pound error. Great organizations. You know what great people do? Is not only do they acknowledge making mistakes, but they move off mistakes. What is the flaw of your organization? Listen, Bruno is also not perfect. Right? He's a bit prickly. He's a bit... You know, and he's not really like great. Like you've had Roy Keane, Nemanja Vidic. By Man United standards, he he was incredible for the first eighteen months, and it's been it's been okay. What he is is consistent. I'll give him that. He's always on the pitch. He's a fighter, so I can work with that, right? You can get behind. It's replicable to be fit and consistent. So you can say, okay, this guy's always going to be here, and he's good enough to be in the team. We can find a place. He's not a winger. He gets on with it. Quite divisive, but if you're a Man United fan, you probably like a bit of that. He's a bit of a cult hero there, so I get it. It's a great start to the rebuild. As a non-Man United fan, we should be scared now, because Ten Hag now is ripping up De Gea. You're a terrible keeper by modern-day standards. Not, not, not good, terrible. You're just a shot stopper. Get the hell out of here. Firstly, we've been overpaying you for five years. Don't know why you got that new deal. Oli, again, what are you doing giving him a five-year deal? But get out of here. So that was a great start. That told me... Okay, this guy's serious. Now Maguire out. This is the next step. We should be very, very scared as football fans if you don't support Man United because now they're on the right track. Now it's like, oh no, these guys have the potential to spend anything plus players want to play there. Don't, listen, we can all hate Man United like every good person should, but don't get it twisted. That's still the biggest brand in the world of football. That's still where most English kids want to play. Most foreign kids, it's Manchester United. Don't don't you get it twisted. Fergie's not that long ago. These young kids grew up watching Roy Keane. They grew up watching trebles. So don't, don't get it twisted. Man United is still king when it comes to marketing globally. This is a juggernaut of an organization. They've had a crisis of leadership for a decade now. And I think that's over. I think that's over. Now, as a Man United fan, I'll finish off on this one. You're five years away from winning. Because you still need to get rid of the losing mentality. Getting rid of the players is one thing. But there's probably people outside of the pitch, off the pitch, that need to leave Manchester United. And that's going to take some time. Culture takes time, eh? Culture takes time. Unless you come in and you, you've got Roman Abramovich. Because Roman Abramovich was an emperor. So he put his fist around, you know... 
he throttled Chelsea and he, he made a non-negotiable to be outstanding two years in. But Man City took time. They had to go through a Mark Hughes before they got to uh, Mancini, before they got to Pellegrini, and here they are now, all those years later. It's 15 years later. Takes time. Takes time. Man United have fallen so far down. They need to probably get, they need two or three more windows to get a properly competitive squad. And there's people off the field that they need to get rid of because losing is in that building. Losing is in that building. But let me tell you something. If you're a Man United fan, this is the best time to be a Man United fan since 2013. And it's not close because you've got a guy who's serious now, who's saying, I'm lifting the floor. This is Manchester United, not bloody Aston Villa. Here at Man United, being good is the entry fee. Being great is expected. And nobody's had really the chutzpah, right? But Ten Hag, you can see, he's not mucking about. He's not playing around. Everyone else has been playing around. Jose wasn't given the reins. And Ten Hag has now been fully back now. Onana's here. Uh, you can see what they're doing up front. Um, I, I, can I tell you who's, who's going next? And he might even go this window. Jaden Sancho is out of here. He's not changing. He's the man then. He's, he's more sizzle than steak. That, that's not going to be accepted by this guy. I, I, I can see Eric Ten Hag's not playing with that. He's not playing with that. So very, very interesting times. Man United fans. Love to hear what you've got to say. i finish off on this one. Mailbag question. Uh, Messi's effect. Um, on the MLS. I'll tell you what's interesting for me on that. I think the great winner is the Premier League, English Premier League. Right? Um, the USA is not going to embrace football. You, you know, something that they don't, that people don't realize is that the NFL in lockdown 2019, I'll never forget hearing this, signed a 200 million dollar billion dollar excuse me 200 billion dollar contract with the tv guys for 10 years 200 billion dollars just like listen to that number you know we go crazy for three-year deals and it's 10 billion pounds with sky for non uh british and uk rights and we go oh my god that's outrageous 200 billion dollars that's 20 billion dollars a year just for TV rights. We haven't even started discussing other income. That was locked in. Jerry Jones said, hold on now. $200 billion. The NFL, the revenue is greater than the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, Liga E, and La Liga combined. And it's, I think it's like 10x, by the way, per season. The NFL alone makes that. Forget about baseball. Forget about all the other, like just that. They, the revenue for the NFL is greater than the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Liga E, Bundesliga combined. Those leagues combined don't make as much as the NFL yearly. They are not letting soccer come and take over. But Messi's influence will make people go and go, oh, okay, this is quite cool. What's going on here? What's the English product that I can just watch? And the one that's ready to just be consumed easily is the English Premier League. It's already set up. I've said this before, Serie A, La Liga, what are you doing with your English content? It's not ready to consume. There's no podcast. There's nothing on the internet. Like, listen, I'm not being funny. I worked with one of the leagues here in South Africa and I recently traveled with them. They are just nowhere on the digital. Like, you look at the Premier League. I mean, clubs, there's subcultures for the Premier League. The biggest platforms for Man United is not the Man United platforms. You've got podcasts, United Stand, guys like that. They're the biggest content producers in the world. And that's not even related to the club. That tells you this thing is a juggernaut waiting to explode. So... For me, Messi's move is most beneficial, actually, for the English Premier League. It's the one re league that's ready to go global. It's English and it's culturally relatable. 
And, you know, people always say the Hispanic Latino demographic. Hispanic and Latino, not the same thing, by the way. People make that mistake all the time. It is not. But their demographics are 19% of America, and they speak Spanish. Do you think America is going to start doing stuff in Spanish? Absolutely not. Now, I know Fox and these people have Spanish stations for Mexico, blah, blah, but that's not the market. Of that 19%, I'd love to know um, what where they sit in the LSM. But USA is English and the MLS won't grow. Because it's just not their thing. The NFL is just too much of a juggernaut. Major League Baseball is still the America's pastime. And the NBA. It'll take a long time. So, Leo Messi, cool. He'll be done in about a year. Um, but the Premier League's the winner. It really is. David Beckham, shout out. Seems like he's he's launching Barcelona part two, which is clever. I mean, Miami, uh, extremely Hispanic, you know, a large Hispanic base there. So it's clever. Uh, obviously, the Hispanic folks in, and again, I worked with La Liga, so I know that a big focus for them is the Hispanic region, particularly in America. Um, and Miami is, hey, live in La Vida Loca, as they say. So it's clever in that sense. Um, I think David Beckham's been brilliant by making it a mini Barcelona. He's got Jordi Alba. He's got the, the, the legendary um, Sejo Busque. And then he's got uh, Leo Messi. Do I think it's going to move the needle in world football? Absolutely not. Just as I don't think there's anything to worry about with the Saudi League. At all. Now, if Kylian Mbappe at 25 starts going to MLS and you get Haaland and you get Mudrik, and you get Madueki, and you get Bernardo Silva, and you get, you know, Kyle Walker going to the MLS in their prime. We're having a different conversation, but you'd need like 60 of those guys to go. Do you know what I mean? You, you can't have just Leo Messi. That's not how it works. The, the, the beauty of European football is that there's 15 great clubs with maybe 60 world-class players competing against each other in either their leagues or the Champions League, right? Parity is important. The, you know, the Game of Thrones is important. So you've got Real Madrid, you've got Barcelona, you've got, uh, you, you know, the giants of the Bundesliga, which largely is Munchen. But then you've got Chelsea, you've got Man City, you've got Man United, you know, you've got Liverpool, you've got Arsenal, you've got... Newcastle now. That's what you need. And then we've got 60 guys cooking. Like, who's playing in the MLS? Just Leo Messi. Who, I don't even know who... Like, I think Chicharito's there. You know? Like, who cares? Who cares? No, no one's watching the MLS. Leo Messi, is he great? Yes. But it's over now. Forget it. It's not going to do anything. Th those are my thoughts. One thing the Americans will do is turn it into... I mean, you've already seen what they've done. It's a marketing machine. It is a consumer juggernaut. I, when I was there in 2022, let me tell you something. That place is insane. There is no consumer market like America. Especially in my business, if you're in digital, if you're in tech, America is the greatest country in the world to be in. It still is. Asia is rising, yes. Singapore is fantastic from what I read. Um, China, obviously, is fantastic. But if you're Western and you're a Western free market liberal, I know it's cool to hate America. It is the place to be. It is unbelievable. If you want to get into business and scale and get big, if you want to think big, you should be in America. Nowhere else in the world is America. Nowhere. I was. Trust me, I did six months there. It is the place to be. It has no competition. It is still the greatest country in the world to live in. And, you know, I think South Africa is the greatest country in the world to live in if you can have some cash. I think it's the best middle class life in the world. But if you want to get serious about business and people that'll that'll make something big, it's America. So I think it's cool, but I don't see it affecting the global landscape. I don't. Hope you have the greatest time of your life this week. Whatever you're doing, have a cool time at work. You know, uh, look out for an announcement. I would say in the next month we are. Um, I will be on a different platform, so I'm looking forward to announcing that. Uh, very, very soon, whether it's the MKT show or it is me uh, working 
on a different audio platform. So I'll be on an audio platform uh, very, very soon. I'm looking forward to announcing that and letting you know. Um, it's quite cool, you know. If you work for something for 10 years, I would say it's very sweet to work for something hard. And hey, I made no money for a long, long time. I've got to be honest. I made no money for seven, eight years. So it's wild that I get uh, I get paid relatively well to speak now. But I don't believe in luck. I'll be honest with you. I uh, I, I was winging it for the first five years. I'd say up until the pandemic. But in the last three, four years, I've really knuckled down on some thinking, some models, working with um, higher level people. And it's all coming together. A little bit of talent, lots of hard work. Like I'm not a very talented person, I'll be very honest. I'm a grinder. So I think that's what's starting to bring me a modicum of success. I wouldn't say I'm successful yet. I've got some... Like, this is one step in the right direction. I'm really, really excited um, to be on a platform that's going to give me that that level of reach. I'm looking forward to announcing it. It's something new as well, so it's not something which already exists. But immediately, I'm going to be uh, a part of a team with somebody who, if you're a South African and you're millennial, you'll know this guy. Um, and, yeah, just looking forward to it looking forward to it i'm looking forward to announcing that and thank you to everybody who does slide in the dms and there's been so many people who are always always supportive small but supportive you know uh, get about 600 listens a week or per episode is my average now just doing looking at the numbers this morning guys it's been amazing but now i may get to share my talents uh, and hard work with or not me, I will be sharing my talent and hard work with a bigger platform, with more people. I don't know what's going to happen with this podcast. It'll probably go back to once a week if I do the other thing, because that's going to be five times a week and maybe six times a week. So we'll see how that goes, whether I take the MKT show there or the MKT show still lives like this and I just do this once a week. We'll see how it goes. Slide in DMs at MKT Inspires. DMs are wide open. Always happy to hear from people. By the way, you don't need to agree with me. It's the beauty of podcasts, right? It's the beauty of the world we live in. You might say, hey, dickhead, I'm a behavioral psychologist. And what you said about the youth and children and behavior and maybe me admiring the Navy and places where people have less rights and more responsibility is because of my upbringing or whatever. There's, there, there's, trust me, there, I got an email, right, the other day from a guy who works at a private bank in Singapore and is the COO of one of the biggest private banks in the world. I'm not even kidding about this. Like, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I couldn't believe that he listens to this podcast. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? This dude, and the, there was the other guy. Um, I forget what the gent's name is. He's in South Africa as a, I think the CRO. I don't know the acronyms. This guy's like big time actual scientist guy, I think. He's listening to this podcast. What are we doing? You know? It's mental. It's absolutely mental. But I love it. And if you dig uh, this and it's always a, a good hour or so in your day, in your week, have a laugh. You know, is it entertainment? Does it align with your thinking? Do you disagree? And if you disagree, let me know, by the way. I'm not a petal. At MKT Inspires, slide in the DMs. I agree with you. Why haven't you thought of this? Have you read this book? By the way, I love books. Recommendations. Throw it my way. I was raised like this. I was raised by a single mother. Uh, by the way, I got a response. For, you know, I said the other day is I would never marry somebody who doesn't come from a two-parent home. Somebody responded to that. I said, hey, I believe in rules. You've got, you got to have rules. Don't negotiate with the rules. A, a friend of mine or somebody who's a mentor, I don't like the word mentor, an elder of mine, he mentored my father as well, uh, him and his best friend. And he said, you know, <laughs> I'll never forget this. One of the funniest things. I've ever, in hindsight, heard. He's, he said to me, you know, because my father's got the same name as me, right? Just different middle name. But he said, you know, Junior, you're not like your dad. Your problem is you like to negotiate with the rules. So I just like rules, man. I flourish in that. I really, I believe there is freedom in structure. I've, you know, as soon as I started to lean into that, it's been an incredible last nine years. 
I've just, I, I'm leading into an opportunity I've been working for for a decade. And it's all because of people like you who listen. So if you listen and have been contributing, it's kept me coming back. It's been incredible. We're going to keep rocking, by the way. This podcast isn't going anywhere, whether I do it here or someone else. If I have to reduce it to once a week, whatever, we'll make it work. We'll keep it rolling uh, to everybody out there. Stay golden, guys. It's been it's been incredible. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.